Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. This is our second attempt at me introducing you to the <laughs> schloffle like waffle of Craft Boner. Hello. Hi, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, our, first, our first attempt was sadly like eaten by audio raccoons. Um, and so it's, it's, it's fine. It just didn't record at all, which is fantastic. This one's just going to be even better. So we're going to do it again. Hooray! Um, I remember I just found like a list I made like six years ago of like dream people that I would love to interview and you were on that list and I was like no you're joking I'm not I'm not and I was like wow that's neat (laughs) (laughs) little did you know I'd come to you like a year and a half ago being like please help me (laughs) Uh, so for the sake of full disclosure Kiwi is officially one of my clients in KK on tap um, and that is all you need to know about that. I, I just wanted you to know. So she's not a paid affiliate or advocate or anything like that. Um, but she does work with me. Yeah, no, I just love you. It's cool like that. We're cool like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so before we get started, I just need to know who your favorite golden girl is and why. Um, so we actually have dressed up like the golden girls, uh, like three years ago and my friend Lee who's a man was Dorothy. And I was like, I'm not doing it unless I get to be Blanche. Like I refuse unless I get to be Blanche. I want to pretend to be like, just like really sassy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have to pretend very hard because that's my normal (laughs) state. But yes, Blanche, 100%. Excellent. Excellent. So your official brand on the online where you might know uh, Kiwi is from Craft Moner. Which is, first off, one of the most brilliant names in the history of the world. And secondly, <laughs> can you tell me sort of how Craft Boner 
started because right now it's all like she's got the that crazy cachet she's got the 16,000 instagram followers she's making the bank and all that shit um but it never starts there so where did it no. start so it actually started as a diy blog i was uh i think what 20 in my very very early 20s working in new york at the apple store as a genius and uh hated kind of everything because new york does that to you um mm -hmm. and i just really was using my the left brain no right brain oh my god i always get them confused i was yeah. just analytical and like you know had to troubleshoot and and very technical all day long and my creative brain was just like please do something like do something so it actually started as just like a fun side project so that i could diy some shit and uh write about it and yeah. then yeah, and then it evolved into making jewelry, and then it evolved into making cards, and then the cards sort of changed over the years, and now here we are. Yeah, so what do you sell now? So now it's mostly just uh, cards, stickers, notepads, uh, postcards, things that'll make you chuckle. Yes, wildly inappropriate things that make me so very happy. Yes. Um, and then... It's now 2019 and you had a retail storefront and now you don't. So can you tell me what did you hope having a retail storefront would do for you and what did it do and what did it just completely fail to do? Yeah. So my dream since I was a kid was always, you know, make stuff and then have a retail storefront and people can buy that stuff like I used to do. Uh, I guess it wasn't really role playing, but like I used to have a storefront when I was a kid and make my parents like give them a few dollars and like make them check out with like my creations and it'd be like glitter in a jar with water. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, that had always been the goal. I've been creative for as long as I can remember. I've always DIY'd and like crafted stuff. And so that just seemed like the natural progression for me. And, and it was one of those things that the opportunity fell into my lap. My friends were like, hey, let's open a retail store, uh, real estate in Denver, or like even like commercial space in Denver is insane. It's like ridiculously expensive. So they're like, let's team up. Um, our brands are completely different, but they would work together and, and let's open a retail store. And I said, yep. Okay, great. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's always sort of been my thing is like, if something, if there's more pros than cons, then let's fucking try it. So we opened the retail store. It's the hardest I've ever worked in my life trying to like get that open. Um, and I, I did really love having an outlet to come and talk for people to come and talk to me to see my stuff in person. Um, we had a bunch of people that would come in from different places that followed either one of us on Instagram. And so I did really love the connection aspect of it. But um, I really just, <laughs> I'm such an introvert that it was hard for me to like be like in my introvert space working on something on the computer and then someone would come in and I'd be like, okay, time to pretend to be an extrovert and like talk to this person <laughs> and charming. Um, so I found that really difficult. Uh, I really do enjoy like talking to people and connecting with them, but I like to like prepare myself first. Um, mm -hmm. 
so that was that was really hard for me and the other thing that was hard was just you know balancing inventory to have in the shop because it was mostly my products but then I did carry a few other things as well and so just like changing up the shelves so that it'd be interesting for people and um it was also you know a thousand dollars a month in rent for me and so it was one of those things that I have never really loved the business aspects of business, which I know is ridiculous. No, I get it. Business. But yeah, so I, I, it's just not something that I enjoy. I don't really like systems and processes. I don't like figuring out inventory. I just want to make stuff <laughs> all day long if I could. Um, and so that I just found really challenging to sort of balance it all. And, um, yeah, I just sort of had a heart to heart with my business partners who were the other small brand that was in the retail shop with me mm -hmm. and just said to them like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't, do it, it'd been about a year and a half. Um, and I just sat them down and was like, Hey, this isn't doing it for me anymore. And they were like, you know what, we're growing. So we can take over your part of the space and it all worked out amazingly. And I was so worried about it to have even that conversation, but it just panned out perfectly. Perfect. Did you ever have the experience of, um, I heard it described retail jail, like I have to be there from 10 to 4 no matter what because that's when it says the store will be open. Um, occasionally, uh, we were sort of lucky in that our the retail store wasn't really on like a main thoroughfare or anything like it was sort of hidden away so we didn't get that many customers like at all <laughs> uh, because it was mostly like it was I guess I should explain it in the back. It was like our studio workspace. And then in the front, it was the retail store. So it, it was more of like having that space to work. That was the reason we chose that location and not because we knew we'd be like just getting strangers roaming in. So we were sort of lucky that we got to sort of close occasionally. Like I, I just put up funny signs to like, Hey, sorry, we needed Benihana. So be back in a few hours, I guess. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, I actually kind of really loved the aspect of like being tied to like a schedule and I kind of miss it and I'm trying to figure out how to do it on my own, but it was sort of nice to be like, okay, from 11 to six, you're going to be working, you're going to be at the shop and you're going to be working on stuff. Um, so I guess a little bit, but I was pretty lucky in that it never like really like sank into that like existential dread of like, oh God, I have to be there. Right. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, what is moving back home, i.e. away from retail felt like and how's that transition been? Well, I know that everybody says, like, don't tell your story when you're in the middle, because, like, no one wants to hear about, like, you know, you tell your story at the end about mm -hmm. when you were stuck not stuck, but like when you were in the middle, but like, mm -hmm. I am firmly in the middle. I, uh, am overwhelmed by options now that I have more time. And I really want to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but Kristen told me like a million times, don't say you don't know what you're doing. Cause you do, you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I was thinking about that this morning. It's one of those things that I do feel overwhelmed. I do feel like just like, I just have a billion ideas and I don't know where to go with them. But at the same time I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't really have any regret. Like, even though I'm sort of in this weird in between limbo sort of place right now of figuring out my next steps, I don't regret, like, I don't regret making the decision that I made. I'm enjoying working from home and I don't, I just can't, couldn't even imagine going back to having the store. It just feels 
all just really freeing to be able to like sort of make my own schedule and figure out what I'm going to do for the day and figure out where I'm going to work for the day and um, just have that freedom to sort of explore and like play with what next steps are. Yeah. Is it so it's sort of like the, the blessing and the curse of that sort of liminal space is that not everything is pinned down, but not everything is pinned down. <laughs> yes. Which is really hard for me because I realize, like, I remember even like vividly in middle school, like, oh, I got to get good grades in middle school so that I like start off high school on the right foot. And then high school was like, I got to get good grades so that I get into a good college. And then college was like, I got to get good grades so that I get a job. And so it's so hard when you like, when that's been your whole life, my whole life has been like, Oh, I'll find a good job. It's like steps. And now mm -hmm. I just have no idea what my next step is. And, uh, it's sort of terrifying. And I mean, that's, that's what I've been doing with my business too for so long. And, and that's part of the trouble was I put on these blinders and I was like, well, here's the steps that I'm going to take because that's what other people do. And that's how you have a successful business. And so, last year was like taking off those blinders and being like, Oh, I don't like these steps at all. I don't want to do this at all. So now I have no steps. <laughs> good. It's really good. It's really good from here watching. It's not good to be in it. <laughs> no, it feels yeah. terrible, but, yeah, but that's fair. I remember being in like fifth grade and worried about like getting into a good college. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Dude, you're 11. Chill out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so currently it's hard. You're in the liminal space, but what, um, what's your favorite part of having this whole craft boner enterprise situation? My favorite part now. So I had a, when I did have the retail space, I had like a ton more products. Like I had 300 and some SKUs. And so like each different item is a different SKU. So like 300 and some products. And, um, I narrowed it down to like, I think I'm at like 160 now. So I cut it in half basically. And it's been really nice to be able to have less products, but be able to focus on them more. So for me, craft owner has always been, I've always felt the most lit up when I get to make people laugh. And uh, for me, a lot of that is making cards um, because I can, make a card that I hear a lot of people say when they see them like oh my gosh you're in my head that's exactly what I was thinking and so I just think it's so and I'm also not great at like expressing my feelings I think like person to person so for me a greeting card is amazing because I can say exactly what I want to say um, make someone laugh maybe make someone cry like I, I don't know but it, it just feels like such a weight like it's just joy in a piece of paper to me. So I've been able to focus a lot more on creating new designs and, and figuring that out, which is really exciting. Yeah. But I love how you just glossed over. Like I just, I just cut the number of products I had in half and that was just like a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so how do you decide? Cause they're like, they're, I mean, maybe cards aren't like books cause books are like babies, but how do you decide what to make and what to retire? Is it like just sales? Is it feelings? Is it both and? Is it, I'm just so sick of looking at this. I don't care that it sold 7,000 last year. Yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, a big part of retiring so many items was just practicality. So like a lot of that was mugs or glassware or um, pins and buttons that I was making myself. And so I went from like having our... Our retail space slash warehouse space was like 3,000 square feet. And now I'm in like a 10 by 10 room that also houses the furnace. So it was just like, <laughs> I, I literally don't have the space uh -huh. for like 
And also I hated shipping mugs and I would make candles also. I was making my own candles and like, I just hated shipping those things. They like more than off, more often than not, they would wind up broken and then I have to reship them. And so it just became one of those things where I realized it, it was, you know, the whole, uh, Robert Frost, two paths to virginal wood, whatever that fucking poem is. And it was like, okay, well, I could vividly see myself going down this path of like streamlining the products I have, adding more products, adding uh, people to payroll, figuring out my inventory systems. And then I was thinking about all that. And I was like, that just requires more of the things I don't want to do. It requires me to be yeah, it requ it's like I would have less time to create and I would spend all my time managing other people and managing systems and that sounds terrible to me. Um, and so the other path was like, get rid of a lot of things that have been working really well for a long time, but no longer serve you. Mm -hmm. And so that's more of what it was, was figuring out that like, hey, I like the mugs. The mugs are great. They do really well, but like they just, I can't, I can't keep selling them because I don't have space. It sucks to ship them. And, um, that's going to be something that I'm going to have to sacrifice. So for a lot of the products, it was something that it wasn't that I was sick of it. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was just practicality. Um, mm -hmm. but now I'm sort of going through, especially with some of the cards and going through some of my older designs and discontinuing them just because they don't feel like they fit as well anymore. And I think one of the really nice things about sort of culling the products that you offer or the things that you create is that you really like strengthen your brand. And so by getting rid of some of these older cards that don't sell very well, um, and just don't really fit as well anymore it my, I feel like my card line feels even stronger now. Mm -hmm. So that's been really nice to like say goodbye, but like, I don't know how to explain it, but like say like, Hey, thanks for serving me for so long, little greeting card, but mm -hmm. I think it's time for us to go a different direction. Yes. Have you sold your uh, your candle maker warmer burner thing yet? I did. So actually, yes. the people, <laughs> yeah, the the people that I was sharing the space with, uh, they're the company is called More Collection. It's a husband and a wife, and they're wonderful. And they were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna start making candles. So I didn't even have to move it. They were just like, yeah, we're gonna take that. We're gonna. And so they start. They just launched their candle line like last week. That's awesome. Because it's so, something yeah. you were like, I hate the candles. I hate everything about the candles. <laughs> I, I know. I think what it is is that I get into the, so what happens for me is like, oh, I can draw something, but that doesn't feel, that doesn't bring me not quite as much joy as like making something with my own hands. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, well, I can make this thing. So I'm just going to make it instead of trying to figure out a different way to get it made or have someone else make it. And mm -hmm. then it becomes like, oh shit, I have to make 200 of these every two weeks now and Ooh. it takes all the fun out of it because it just becomes you're not creating something you're just a production line and so I'm trying to figure out a way to like make stuff and have fun with it but not have to be making it over and over and over and over and over yes I often wonder about that the people that just do things like the over and over and over and over and overness like like in the the hero dreams of sushi movie I'm like I'm so bored just watching you for this movie. Like, I don't know how you can do this with so much joy every single day. Oh, it drives me fucking crazy. It drives me bananas. <laughs> I mean, I already know I did it. I hated it. That's why I stopped making jewelry too. Cause I was like, this is a production line. I'm a factory. I can't, I can't do anything. I hate this, but I still really like making jewelry. So it's like, you know, who knows? 
<laughs> no, you can enjoy something without having about the 800th time that you do the same thing. You'll probably enjoy it less. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I fall into the whole, you know, trying to monetize my joy instead of like just having fucking hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what do you wish that everybody knew about having a business? Cause you especially make it look like it is just all like dick jokes and fun times. Oh shit. I try not to do that. I try to be <laughs> real. No, I love um, you very much, but that's what people, you, the lasting impression is like, she's just having such a good time. And that's true. But there's also this, like, like what do you wish that everyone knew? That's not yeah. obvious. Um, I think the thing that I wish I knew, especially for people who want to get into like product based businesses mm -hmm. is that it is really hard to make money. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that people think that, oh my gosh, I've been seeing this product in all these stores and I see it on Instagram and they have all these followers, but like none of that equates to actual money. Mm -hmm. and, and like uh, so many of the makers that I know, um, are so poor <laughs> and like we do it because we love it, but the margins just aren't very large for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's hard to keep a small scale and still make money. And so I think that would be one thing that I would like people to know is that they think, and, and even like Etsy really glorifies it. And they say, they have the whole series about like quit your day job. And it's like, I want to tell people it's, it's okay to have a day job and just make stuff and sell it on the side. Like you don't have to quit your day job. Um, and also it may take a really, really long time if you even do get to the point to when you quit your day job and you might miss your day job and, just that it's different for everybody. Um, and also I think the second thing that people don't realize is um, uh, persistence is really all it takes to be a business owner. Like <laughs> the, the, the only reason that I am still in business is because I'm so fucking stubborn that I won't give it up. Um, <laughs> but like, you're going to be, I think that's something that people don't realize is that it takes a long time for people a to even find you. It takes a long time for people to find you and then love you. It takes a long time for um, you to figure out exactly what you're like making or doing and, and get sort of like feeling like it's in a good place. And, um, it just takes a long time. And I think people see all these businesses like, Oh my gosh, I just learned about them and look how big they are. Like, um, but that's the result of years of hard work behind the scenes of like trying and failing at different things and sort of figuring it out as you go. Yeah. Cause you're, you're eight years into this. So this is not like, oh my God, Kiwi's just had it so easy and she just blew up overnight. But that's the story that is always told. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from uh, up until the year 2017, I think I had like between zero and 400 Instagram followers. <laughs> like, and, and so it's one of those things that, yeah, it's just, just little steps. And I think the other thing that I also need to remind myself is that like every, every little step is worth celebrating. And that's something that you forget because in the beginning you're like, Oh my gosh, I got an order from a person. I don't know. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, Oh, I got, uh, like Westward is the local, um, our local, uh, magazine, one of them and Westward, I got named best greeting cards in Denver for 2019. And yes. I was like, and I was like, okay, cool. And like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
like if I think back in, you know, back to 2012 Kiwi, she would have been like fucking crazy excited. And I was like, okay, I don't know that I deserve it, but like, thanks. Um, so, so I guess it's just, it becomes, it's almost like, (laughs) I don't know if I want to say this, but it's like kind of like doing drugs where like in the beginning, everything's like you're a high and really excited. And then it's like, you need that like bigger and bigger high. Um, so maybe just like step back and like realize all the exciting things that have happened and how far you've come and where you began, I think is important too for anybody who has a business. Yeah. Cause you 10 years ago would have been like, holy shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Me 10 yeah. years ago, I was working a job that I fucking hated and um, was just drunk all the time. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, that sounds like a plan. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which, which business lesson has been the hardest for you to learn so far? It sounds like celebrating is hard. Is there anything that's harder than that? Celebrating is hard. I think the, uh, for me, it's the money part. Like the money part is so hard for me. It'd be like one month I feel flush and the next month I'm like, okay, I'm going to be homeless. Um, (laughs) so yeah. So for, I think for me, it's just wrapping my head around. Cause again, all I want to do is just sit and create stuff. And so like figuring out how to, you know, bring in revenue and manage my inventory and send out emails consistently. And like that whole half of the business is just like a constant struggle for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out and have them for a while, like, ways to get people who are smarter and better than me at those sorts of things to help me. Um, but it's still, you know, that's a process, but I think just, yeah, figuring out like how (laughs) businesses run, uh, successfully is something that I still sort of struggle with or sort of don't feel like I'm doing a good job at, even though I probably am doing fine. You're definitely doing fine, but it's, it's so much easier to sell like glitter water to your parents than it is to sell to like actual humans in 2019. Absolutely. Well, and it's also hard because there's so many choices. Like not only when I started there, like brands did, there weren't curse words on cards. Like it just, it was not a thing. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot easy. I don't even want to say easier to stand out. Cause I feel like my cards still do stand out from the pack, but it's just like, if you're trying to get into retail shops, they have so many options. And so mm-hmm. it's just hard trying to like get people's attention, which I feel like is, is the whole world now, you know, with the internet, it's like, you can be like standing screaming, like into the internet, the world of the internet. People are like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I guess just like trying to figure out, trying not to worry about that as much. And that's so, it's so fascinating that like what you were doing eight years ago is like, okay, well, this literally doesn't exist anywhere. This is groundbreaking. And and it's only eight years later. It's not like it's been millennia that it's like, this is just everywhere. This is just very commonly accepted as the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been super interesting. I definitely like nerd out about, uh, both the stationary industry and retail in general, having worked in retail, different types of retail, and now like sort of selling to different retailers. It's fascinating how much it's changed. And I think it still will continue to change. And yeah, 
I don't know. I just find the world so interesting. How different, like, it doesn't feel like it, but if you think back to, like, yeah, eight years ago, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, no, a lot has changed. Like, I can get weed delivered to my door if I wanted to. <laughs> That's <Right>. insane. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us can, okay? Just just keep your weed delivery to yourself over there in Colorado. I actually don't know <laughs> if it's a thing in Colorado, but I imagine it is. I'm sure it is. It is in California, so, I mean... I, I, like all of the Colorado is just leading the way. Yeah. Um, so you, you make me laugh so hard. It's one of my favorite things about you. And so I picture your parents as like the funniest people on the goddamn planet. <laughs> tell, me no. about, tell me about what shaped the sense of humor that we currently know as, as Kiwi and all things craft boner. Yeah. Uh, hilariously, my parents do not have much of a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> That's just all. hard for me to believe. <laughs> I know. It's really weird. I've noticed as I've gotten older, like, my dad has, like, a really sarcastic sense of humor, but, like, my mom does not have a sense of humor at all. Like, I made, <laughs> I, I made a joke about, uh, like, oh, yeah, I, uh, something about Bill. Like, Bill and I talk shit on each other all the time. Bill's my boyfriend, and I made some sort of joke, like, talking about how he sucked or something, and she got so, like, worried and, like, gave me, and I was like, it was a fucking joke. Calm oh, down. Like, Do you guys need counseling? What is going on? I can pay for counseling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, but I think, I think my sense of humor, uh, when you're, like, chubby and awkward and you have braces and glasses growing up, like, you have to develop a personality. You can't not have a personality. Yes. <laughs> because... You, I mean, that's I partially how you stand out, but like how you make friends, how you do everything. And so for me, it was just, I always found it, I used to be really shy as a kid. And so, but once I, once I like made friends, they couldn't get me to shut up. So, uh, I found that like, I love to make people laugh. I just don't feel like people laugh enough in general. And mm -hmm. I found it came pretty easy to me. It wasn't something I had to try that hard to do. And so I feel like my formative years were like figuring out what makes people laugh and what people think are, is funny because it was also something where because I was chubby, I had this like little round face and these like long ass pigtails and I looked so innocent. And then I'd like drop an F-bomb and everyone would be like, what? Uh -huh. um, yeah, so it was like a way to surprise people. Uh, now, not so much because I have tattoos and piercings, and they're like, yeah, we expect you to drop F-bombs all the time. But back in the day, it was fun to, like, surprise what people expected from me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you started to swear? Like, you were like, these words have power. I will use them now. Um, I don't remember exactly when I started to swear, but, swear, but I do vividly remember in uh, – fifth grade we were all sitting on the bus and we were talking to this kid Jeffrey who was just sort of a hot mess and we we're like Jeffrey are you a virgin and he was like ew no gross and uh because he had no idea what virgin meant and we just <laughs> laughed so fucking hard so fucking hard and then we all got sent to the principal's office <laughs> also, um, how exactly is one a hot mess at age fifth grade oh well he had like a lot of issues and so <laughs> I feel bad, like, even saying that, but he, you know, he got in trouble a lot, and, and I think he had, you know, ADD or, or, or some sort of something, um, but we, uh, I was kind of a bully, and I, I, people don't believe that at all, but I was a bully in elementary school, and then I went to Costa Rica 
my mom made me live in Costa Rica for three months this summer between fourth and fifth grade. Um, or maybe it's fifth and sixth grade. Anyway, I got bullied like relentlessly in Costa Rica because I didn't mm -hmm. speak Spanish very well. And oh. so I came back and I was like, I'm fucking done being a bully. Bullies are oh. the worst. You learned um, it the hard way. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm glad I did because I like dropped all the people that I was friends with. The other like, because you know, like little girl gangs, like little mm -hmm. gangs of girls are so fucking mean. Like they can cut you so deep and uh we were just fucking relentless and uh so yeah i just started hanging out with this other girl who then became my best friend and we just sat around the playground and like dug up rocks and pretended they were beads hell yes we were weird but um but no i don't remember i don't really necessarily remember swear words i think it probably would have been shortly after that we are a bunch of fucking heathens so <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it um so where, when you, you have such a distinct voice and such a distinct look, um, where do you go when you feel uninspired or like you can't hear your voice or like you're just making the same thing over and over and over again? And not in the literal way with candles, but in the metaphorical way. Like, yeah. tell me how you get, you tap into the mojo. Yeah, I, um, well, I feel my, I find myself stuck like pretty regularly and then I always have to remind it takes it just takes such a long time to realize that I'm stuck <laughs> I'm like dumbass of course you're stuck uh <laughs> but uh yeah it takes me like way longer than it should but I really 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 truly love going to thrift stores like I find so much inspiration in thrift stores I was actually <laughs> I was a fashion major when I first went to college like that's why oh, I went to college yeah, I loved fashion. I wanted to, I didn't want to design clothes, but I wanted to write about fashion. That was like, you know, 18 year old Kiwi. Like that was like, she was going to go work at a fashion magazine. Mm. Um, and then I found out the fashion people are the fucking worst. So I changed, <laughs> yeah. I changed my major very quickly, but I still, I love going to thrift stores. I just love seeing the different fabrics and the patterns and not even just on the clothes, but, um, shoes, purses, books, like, it, I just find different eras so fascinating to me. Like, I spend way too much of my time thinking about where I would go first if I had a time machine, and I still don't know. Like, that is something that's so interesting to me, so even if I can't go to the thrift store, I love watching, like, shitty 80s movies, shitty 90s movies. I just find a lot of inspiration in color and patterns um, from things from the past. I love it. What is, what are your top three for where you would go with a time machine? See, I don't even fucking know. I think about it all the time. I wouldn't want to go everywhere. Like if I were on Dr. Who, he'd get so sick of me because I'd be like, can we go here? Can we go here? Can we go here? Um, I, I don't even know what my top three are. I mean, I feel like I belong in the eighties. Like I just feel like I should, I feel like I missed out. I was only, I was born in 87. So I was only three by the time the 80s ended, and I yeah, missed it. constantly bummed out about that, because mm -hmm. um, I would just, like, want to go party. Uh, I don't know, though, like, like, old-timey England would be amazing, like, England in the 1700s, but, like, I'd probably get something that we can't cure now, and I would die from, like, the plague or something. You'd just get um, syphilis. I think it'd be all right. Probably, and then my nose would fall off like Johnny Depp in that movie. Um, <laughs> It'd be fine-ish. Fine yeah, 
Um, I'd love to go to the 50s, like, minus all the racism and misogyny and sexism. I think it'd be fun, just for a little while. <laughs> just, for the bra- just for the underpants, to be like, how does this even work? Yeah, and I'm a white person, so I'd be okay, and then I'd feel bad, and I wouldn't want to stay mm-hmm. there for very long, but mm-hmm. um, it would be interesting to just see, like, the atomic family and all of that, so I guess that'd be top three. But who knows? I would want to go everywhere, like New York in the 20s. Oh my god, everywhere. I would go everywhere. Excellent. And um, as long as we're being super nerdy with hypotheticals here, um, <laughs> tell me about the, the books that shaped you, because I just assume that you're a reader person. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to, So I lived in Winter Park, Colorado. That's where I grew up. And um, my dad or my uh, mom taught skiing and snowboarding and my dad like loves skiing and mountain biking and windsurfing and they're both very very sportsy active people Mm -hmm. and uh my dad used to bribe me he'd be like if you come to me come with come with me to the sledding hill for an hour I will buy you a new book or I will take you to the library (laughs) Like, so I had to be bribed to go outside to do activities because all I wanted to do was sit and read. Um, I am such a huge Harry Potter nerd. That was definitely the book that, or series of books that, like, I think helped me become who I am. And that sounds dramatic, but it's really not. Like, my dad got me the hardcovers for Christmas, and then we would go get the new one every time it came out and my parents had a like real real bad relationship a lot of yelling and fighting and mm-hmm. so for me it, that was my escape like go to the treehouse read harry potter for the hundred millionth time and just like pretend you're a character in harry potter so that really got me through my teenage years because i didn't have friends nearby we lived in the woods um so you just sort of had to make your own like fill your time however you could and I loved that. I read every single book in the young adult section in my library. The librarians were, like, annoyed with me because I read all of them. <laughs> They're like, this kid, she just can't be stopped. Yeah, like, I read Nancy Drew. I read all the um, Sweetwater High books. I read, like, the Vampire series. There's, like, a series of, like, vampire teenagers. I don't even remember what it was called. Yeah, vampires are huge. Yeah, but this was back in, you know, this would have been the mid nineties. And I think it was like someone who's probably pissed now. They're probably like, I did vampires before anybody else did vampires. Um, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But yeah, I remember reading the vampire books. I read all the goosebumps. I read the Hardy boys. Like I just would read anything growing up, anything and everything. And then I think for me, like as an adult, the book that has been instrumental um, was The Artist's Way. I read The Artist's Way right before I started. Well, no, it when I moved back to Denver. A really good friend of mine gave it to me, and it blew my goddamn mind. I still haven't been able to get through it, because it's like a book that you go by the week, and like, I've tried maybe six times, and I always end on like week seven, because it just like gets too real. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably try again. Uh, but it was the first book that made me feel like hey, you just make stuff and put it out into the world. You're not responsible for how the world reacts to it. And that was mind-blowing because I've always been a people pleaser and I've always been, like, eager to seek approval from other people. And so to just read, like, hey, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Just put it out there was something 
that blew my mind. And it was honestly the only reason I have a business. It's the only reason I put my art into the world. It's the only reason I can even call it art. Um, so that book, I think, is tremendous. And I tell people about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange that that... Um, I'm going to be a bad interviewer and tell you a story about me, which is that The Artist's Way, the same book, uh, right around 2008, I was like, oh, fuck this noise. I'm going to become a photographer. And I was teaching at the time. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's absolutely <laughs> the next step. So like The Artist's Way sort of broke my life back in the day. So I, I get it. Like, it, it's, it has some sort of like alchemical magic about it that you're like, this is like a shitty cover. The design's not that good, whatever. And then yeah. as you work through it, it just changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the best written book I've ever read. Like a lot of the stuff I'd like roll my eyes at and then, yeah, I'd be like, Oh no, shit. This is really good. This is. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, so, it's deceptively, yeah, it's just like really, really bad artwork on the front. That's just, just amazing. It's not a book I would have ever, 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 ever picked up. But my friend, uh, David, who introduced it, like wrote a really nice note in it when he gave it to me. Cause it, I was at a time where I, just moved back from New York to help out with family stuff. And I just, I just felt lost. And, uh, that book, I don't want to say like it helped me feel found, but like it did help me find a direction. And I just think it's so wonderful. And yeah, I don't know what weird, what weird juju that book has, but it has helped so many people that I know. Yeah. It comes with some sort of strange magic for the, the low, low yeah. cost of whatever, like $19 or something. Yeah, I think it's even cheaper on Amazon. I send it to people all the time. I'm like, you can't have my copy because my copy is sacred, but like, I'll buy another copy. <laughs> okay. I'll get you a new copy and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit, I'm shifting all around here, about your process and the ways that you, because um, it can be scary to be like, there's this idea in the ether and then I have to bring it into reality. So you have an idea for a card and then how does it, how does it happen and what does it look like in terms of process and in terms of how long it takes from start to finish? Yeah. So it used to take a really long time. Um, because well, I did lots of different processes back in the day, but it used to be that I only started hand lettering cause I hand letter all my cards. Now I only started hand lettering probably about four years ago. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe five, maybe five years ago. Um, and I didn't take any classes. I'm completely self-taught. Uh, I've taken classes since and realized I do everything wrong, but it works for me, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it used to take a long time because I'd draw something on paper and then I have to scan it in and change all the little things so that it would be, so the words would look straight. Um, but now I do it primarily on my iPad. Um, I have a list of ideas of cards or like situations that I've been in. So like I'm currently working on new cards now and honestly a lot of it comes from my real life. Like uh, I have, I'm working on wedding cards because I've never been very good at wedding cards but like the last few years I've just been invited to so many weddings so I'm doing a card. Um, it'll just be like something that I've experienced in my in my life that I'm like other people probably have too. So it's like, for example, when you give someone money on their wedding website, um, for their honeymoon or whatever, but then like you also have to get them a card and you're like, come on, man, I got you money already. <laughs> right. So I'm doing a card that's like, Hey, I already got you money or I already gave you money for your honeymoon fund. So this card is just proof that I'm a really good and thoughtful person. <laughs> um, yes. 
because I just feel like there's a lot of scenarios like that. So all of them will start with an idea from usually from a situation that I've been in or a situation that a friend of mine has been in or a situation I've uh, seen and thought of something funny for. So I just have a running list of like probably hundreds and hundreds of things that are not all going to turn into cards. Um, but you know, you find some gems in there. So usually it'll be like figuring out that idea it depends. Sometimes the ideas will just come and then other times it'll take a while to sort of iron out the exact wording. Mm -hmm. um, so then once I have the wording, I'll go to my iPad and I use the Procreate software on my iPad and I'll draw it out. And it used to be that it would be very quick. Um, but now I'm using, I'm trying to use more design elements and uh, I'm working on new release right now and I'm talked to Kristen a lot about this, but I'm trying to have fun with it, which is something that I've not done in a long time because I've been so focused on productivity. So now it's taking longer. Now it'll take, you know, an hour or two per card to draw them. Um, mm -hmm. So then once it becomes a card, um, I turn it into a PDF. I print out a proof, make sure I like everything, figure out if I want to tweak the colors or whatever else. And then I send it off to my um, printer to get printed and then it gets sent back to me and then I have to put it in mock-ups and take pictures of it and write out descriptions and upload it on Etsy and my website and my wholesale website and <laughs> it's a process um, but it does take it's a lot quicker than it used to be um, to actually come up with the you know the wording and then make a card it, I can do it in as little as five minutes if I wanted to, depending on the drawing. So it all sort of depends, but usually about an hour per card. Yeah, and that's a long time because you just described like there's a situation and then a list, then you figure out the wording and then the iPad, the PDF, the pro goes to the printer, gets sent yeah. back, there's mock-ups, there's descriptions, it gets uploaded. Um, that's one of those I, things that's like, it's actually not that easy to do. It's just something that you've done like thousands of times. Yeah, for me, it's something that seems really easy, but then when you tell people, because also I think a lot of people, I, I hear it all the time, like, oh, what font did you use? And so they think that, you know, you're just putting a font, but it's like, no, I'm drawing every single card, every single notepad, every single everything. And even if, even for people who aren't drawing, uh, it is a long process. To get products made, I think, in general, it's just a really long process, and I am super impatient, so it's so hard for me to wait and be like, okay, well, I'll get the these things back in three weeks or a month or however, however long it takes to get different things made. Yeah, forever is basically how long it takes. A really long time. But yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, I'm glad that I keep a list because now for this newest release, because I haven't released cards in quite a while, just because it does take a lot of brain power to figure out wording and everything. Um, and I haven't had the time. So but I'm working on about 24, actually it'll probably be more than 24 um, cards for the next few weeks. So maybe by the time this is out, they'll be out, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I'm just glad I have the list because I have like 70 ideas for cards. And so it's nice to be able to go through. And so I think that's good advice for anybody. Like if you have a good idea, write it down somewhere. And I just, I just use like the notes app on my phone, mm -hmm. but I've had so many ideas that I'm like, oh yeah, I'll remember. Don't no, fucking remember. No, it's gone. It's gone forever. Uh, so now yeah. I always write stuff down. Yes. And this, and that's not a sign of getting old. That's just a sign of like, no, when the muse comes, you got to be ready and write that shit down. 
Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the Elizabeth Gilbert. She did like a TED talk or something, and she talked about a woman who was a poet, and she'd like have to run to get her pencil before the thought left her, the inspiration left her. Anyway, it's a really good TED talk. It is a good TED talk. She's a damn good speaker. Yeah. Uh, so this is coming out on May twenty first. So where should people go to buy these amazing cards that have already been released? Yes, they will be released by then. Um. Unless everything goes fucking south. Um, <laughs> Let's assume that it's, it's all good. <laughs> um, they will be on craftboner.com. Yeah, a bunch of new cards. I'm pretty excited about them. Yes. And uh, where can people play with you, sign up for things, just generally hear from you? Tell me where to go play with you for things. Um, I'm on craftboner on most of the things. It wasn't taken on most of the social media, <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think I am probably most active on Instagram. I don't really fuck with Facebook. I'll be honest. I forget that that exists. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, Instagram and I try to do stories and other fun, weird, random things to keep it fun on there and a bunch of doodles too that like don't ever turn into anything, but yeah. And so, um, what feels like, I know you said you don't know what the next thing is. Um, but what feels like the next thing or the next step or the next, like, Oh, keep an eye out for this. Yeah. So, uh, I don't exactly know what form it's going to take, but I really do miss DIYing and crafting things like, like you guys know now that's sort of how I got my start. And I really, it's like the thing that I lose time and space and everything. I don't care what, what else is going on in the world. And I like being able to create something that no one's ever created before exactly the way that it is. And no one will ever be able to create again, even me, like exactly the way that it is because of all the variables. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to bring DIY and crafting. I don't know if it's going to be videos. I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but that's something to look out for from me. Yeah, so go follow the shit out of Kiwi at Craft Boner, please. Go buy the shit out of her stuff. I am lucky enough to own several mugs that have gone the way of the dodo. Um, <laughs> and I have completely burned up my smells like Trump not being a president anymore candle. So that's just gone. You can't have it, people. It's gone forever. Sadly. Sadly. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying to figure out a way to bring like mugs and certain things to life. So she's so. exploring new avenues that do not involve you making the mugs. And then yes, I'm working on getting them like externally fulfilled. So I'm trying to like bring back like the beloved don't be a dick mug. I'm like working on it. Yes. Good. Is there anything else that you wish um, the people listening, the, the artsy maker hearts listening um, would know or that I didn't ask you about that you're like, let me just say this. Uh, well, thank you for listening to me ramble. Um, I guess also, I think it's so easy to get stuck in, like, A, the comparison trap, and, like, B, what you feel like you should be doing based on what other people are doing. And I think if there's anything that I've learned is that, like, when something feels, like, right and necessary and valuable to you like that's when other people will get excited about it too so like even if it looks like nothing else that's out there or you have a different method or whatever else like that's worth going for instead of trying to just recreate what other people are doing so you're saying be original not a copycat 
He yeah. loves books. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, but it's, yeah. but it's hard though, like, especially when you're creating products, because like, for me, I'll see all these things that like, are doing really well commercially. And like, I'll see friends of mine that get into like Target or whatever. And I just know that like, that's not my path because I target doesn't want boner uh, around. You know, like, <laughs> so it's sort of, it's hard though to like be like, Oh, but if I just did things this way, I know I could sell so much more of them because that's how mm. other people do it. And to like take a step back from that and be like, but anybody can do that, but only I can do things this way. Yeah. The sort of, I think in your industry, like it all, it all went like, Anna right Anna Bond Rifle Paper Company like it all yeah. went like deep florals on absolutely everything the whole time there must be a temptation to be like I could make floral craft boner yeah and I've definitely I will say I've fallen into the trap before of like thinking about oh this will sell well instead of thinking about like oh I'm excited about this and every fucking time without fail the things that I'm like oh this will sell well doesn't sell well because it doesn't it doesn't feel like me and that is the reason why people are following is because they want to see my perspective on the world not some like what anyone else would see about the world yeah we want your weirdness absolutely yeah Yeah, let your fucking freak flag fly guys yes excellent um so again, craftboner.com um, and KK on Tap is year-long coaching with me. Those spots are full as fuck, but if you head to kristenkelp.com slash tap, you can get on the wait list and make the magic happen come August slash September when those open again. So thank you so much for being here, Kiwi. Please send her love and kisses and go to Craft Boner and buy shit and say hello to her, please. Thank you, Kristen. So great to talk to you always. Thank you. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.